welcome back to Made in the 80s, a podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have Tim, Kendon, Morgan, 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 very mom. special mom. guest, also known as mom, <laughs> also known as mom, my mom, the one who made Kendon in the 80s. <laughs> welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you very much. I'm glad you all invited me. Yeah, it's been a while. We've been we've been expecting to get you on for for some time. We got we got your sister on yeah. to talk about Highlander. Wait, Highlander two? Did we did we do uh, Highlander two with her? Because yeah. I think I watched that movie. Highlander two. There can be only one. <laughs> yeah, well, because Morgan, you live in Alaska, so we kept thinking we have to catch you when you're in town. But you can join us from Alaska now. Yep. And when somebody says Alaska. I mean, we mean Alaska, Alaska. Mom, <laughs> where is it you live? I live in the Arctic Circle. I live wow. in a place called Kotzebue, K-O-T-Z-E-B-U-E, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And it's um, way north. It's 550 miles north of Anchorage. Yeah. And what, 550 miles? Is that like the difference between Seattle and like San Diego? Mm, no, not quite. Perhaps San Francisco. Yeah, it's a significant. Uh, and if anybody wants to see, um, it's um, you can Google Obama and Kotzebue. Mm-hmm. Did Obama go to Kotzebue? He did. Yeah. Right before the end of, I think, his second term, he visited yeah. the mayor. That's cool. I hadn't heard about that. Did you get to meet him, Morgan? No, I didn't. I was out of town. Oh. Wait, if you had been in town, would you have been able to meet him? Because there's not a ton of people there. I might have been. I would have. Been, I would have gotten a ticket to go to the um, to the to meet him in the um, auditorium, so I probably could have gotten over there. But it was. Uh, I wasn't in town. I purposely didn't want to be in town. Fair How many enough. people live up in Kotzebue? About four thousand people in okay. the in the actual town, and then in the whole what we call Northwest Arctic Bureaus, about eleven thousand people. I visited many years ago, and I describe it as a ski resort with no hills. Yep, it's a tundra. It's a yeah. tundra, so you don't have any hills. The whole town is only one mile by three-quarters miles long. Wow. And it's really small. You can walk there. there you can walk all the, you can walk the whole town in less than a half a day. You, know, you can walk all, all right. over I was surprised when I flew there that they put me on a regular jet, but then they kicked us out of the back of the plane. They just like opened onto the tarmac and said, get out. (laughs) I think I realized really where you lived when we were at, we were at a bar watching a UFC fight and Kenan gets a call from a hospital saying your mother has been in a snowmobile accident. (laughs) 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 We're like, what? (laughs) What is working on snowmobiles right now? going on i'm looking at pictures of it right now it's like a small little strip and like an isthmus is that the term for it uh i think that might be what it is and you say for about four thousand people but you help add to that because you help bring babies into the world right yes i'm a certified nurse midwife women's health and i deliver babies other things that women need done yeah, so lots of, and, and babies this week. So when we talked, you had had two new babies this week. Yep. Had, were there more after that? 
Yeah, there was one more delivered, but I had delivered two babies um, in less than 40 minutes. Oof. And I, it was really nice because the second one I delivered, I had delivered her first baby. So she mm. was really happy that I got to be there for this baby. Very nice. And do I remember right, you were one of the first Black um, midwives in Washington State? Um, I am technically the first Black midwife that graduated um, as the University of Washington. Um, and I was in the first class of midwives at the University of Washington. Okay. Yeah. What, so where does the technically come from? There's, there was another midwife in Washington State, but she wasn't practicing as a midwife. Mm. She had not been educated in Washington State, and she wasn't practicing as a midwife. Okay. I like your technically. <laughs> like, we're both in Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> she is this she's just not doing it right now so it's kind of like that question that we talked about last week about best rapper alive Similar best rapper kind of alive technically the technically it's tupac okay well morgan we're so happy to have you here so you got to pick the movie and you picked the witches uh so we're going to talk about that in a little bit i'll put the timestamp in the show notes and let's check in let's see what what we've missed over the last week so First, does anyone have any news? I have an update. Go ahead. Give an update, please. Um, so there's a couple of movies that got pushed back to 2021, and Black Widow is one of them, mm-hmm. which now means it's been pushed over six months. And I think also the new Bond movie, did that get pushed? Yeah, no time to that. got pushed to Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, you sent us a uh, like an image of the releases like Disney's releases in 2021 mm-hmm. and Black Widow's on it. I thought it was an interesting list though, because a lot of them don't remind me of Disney. Like they're, they, <laughs> I don't know. For some, they, I saw the set of movies and was like, huh, I wouldn't guess this was Disney. Disney, yeah. is, out. Disney is becoming like the entertainment version of like these other corporations like Honeywell, right? right? My, my dad works for, Hun- or uh, retired from Honeywell and Honeywell makes like everything like through mergers and all this sort of stuff. Same with Coca-Cola, right? They're making tea, yeah. water, and all sorts of stuff. Right. Or, or General Electric. Right. Right. Like, so that's what Disney's becoming. Like, it makes sense when you said, oh, this doesn't remind me of Disney because Disney was one thing in the 80s, essentially. What it is now, it's, I mean, it is Marvel, for instance. It's Star Wars. And growing up, Marvel was a completely different thing. Yeah, it had nothing to do with Disney. And same with, you're right, with Star Wars. I agree, but also, I, like Black Widow was the only one on the list that I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense, because um, it wasn't even a bunch of Marvel. It was like I Pixar. Think, <laughs> the, no, not not that either. It was like The King's Man, um, very serious looking shows. I guess is what I'm saying. So um, to continue on with news, so yeah, we have a bunch that, that got pushed back, but on the flip side. Um, something that's coming out sooner than we would all have expected is a remake of the witches has everybody seen this this trailer yeah well tim sent it to us mom it's starring octavia spencer and um (laughs) anne hathaway and i had no idea about this until two days ago when tim sent it so i think we should start listing off all of these times where i'm prescient this must be why I like Dune, because 
we just picked the, actually mom picked this we had been talking about this movie because it was an interesting movie to me as a kid um but yeah we had no idea this was coming and it's coming on the 22nd of this month so i kind of think we did know but we didn't remember like we definitely didn't pick this movie because it was going to be remade very soon but i no i was i was completely taken off guard Huh. You know, and that makes sense because yesterday when I went to go um, Google it to figure out which streaming service I could look at it on, uh, watch it on, um, I saw that about Octavia Spencer's and the Witches. I said, oh, that's another movie by the name of the Witches. So it didn't even <laughs> penetrate to me that this was another movie. This was another version of the movie. And I, I, I want to see it because I really think the version that I've seen is just like really like pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about and this. And then one more trailer. Did you watch? Oh, I meant to tell Shalia. Tim, you've probably seen this. The WandaVision trailer. Yeah. I've heard about it. You saw Shalia? I didn't watch it, but I've heard people talk about it. Oh, what? that show looks weird. Like fun. It looks crazy. You remember the the characters of uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch? Do they ever call her Scarlet Witch in those movies? Never call her Scarlet Witch. Okay, so Wanda Maximov or Romanov or Maximov? Maximov. Not Romanov. That's Black Widow. Yeah, mom, do you remember these two characters? I'm trying to Wanda Vision. I'm trying to look it up to see what it's about. I don't think I remember. Well, so, no, they would have been in, like, the Avengers movies. Vision is, like, an android with a yellow stone in his head. Okay, I'm vaguely head remembering right it. Yes, I'm vaguely remembering. So they get married. This is based off of a comic series, a pretty recent comic series, where it's just, like, the two of them having, like, a sitcom or kind of, like, a domestic life. Because it's all in her head, right? It's a dream or something? No. Yeah. Oh, in the comic, it's not all in her head, right? No. There's like a reference to, there is a comic where like there's a whole bunch of stuff happening all in her head. (laughs) There's probably a lot. And then there's a, the trailer has some kind of like, like there's a liquor bottle or something has like a label for it. And you're like, yeah, this is Hmm. a a, a homage to that. WandaVision I think is also 2021. And that looks fun. Disney plus. It says it's a web television miniseries. That's, yeah, anything yeah. that's that's streaming is called a web series, I think. Okay. Though my mom was like, she she refers to like Hulu and Netflix as networks now. She was like, I just stay on one network and watch my shows, and then I move on to the other another one. I mean, <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, they are they are producing content. All right, Tim, what's your news? Uh, really quickly. Um... <laughs> Jamie Foxx is coming back to play Electro in the new Spider-Man movie. But he, he's doing what now? Really? Yeah, he's playing Electro. <laughs> uh, he won't be blue, apparently. Uh, I think they'll do a better job with the character this time around. Wait, is this a Marvel movie? Yeah, for the new the Tom Holland one. Oh, this is not like, a, uh, what do you call it? An anime. I thought this was like one of those trick, trick answers where it's like, oh, it's going to be animated. Yeah, live action. He's, he's back. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, and also, I mean, I see why they, I see why he's not going to be blue. Yeah, they'll make him blue. Um, <laughs> King's One Night in Miami has gotten a lot of praise from people. It is coming to streaming services January fifteenth, and in theaters limited December twenty fifth. 
It's about a fictional night in history in 1964 where a bunch of different people are in a hotel in Miami after a Muhammad Ali fight. So it's like Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, all these other people. Apparently it's fantastic and everyone is raving. So it'll be on Prime Video early next year. Wait, who did this? I heard about that. Yeah, Regina King. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about that one too. I hear, right. I hear good things. Cool. Morgan, do you have any news that uh, you think we might be interested in? Our friends might be interested in? Um, no, not really, because I don't get to watch as much. It, um, for me, um, internet is really expensive. So <laughs> I have to be really careful about how I use it. So, and besides, I, I'm often gone a long time, so therefore I don't watch much. But the only thing is, is I'm going to tell you all that I love this show called um, mm. Lucifer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the next. That's the next segment of yeah, the show. Yeah, let's move into it. So um, that's the news. What have you guys been up to? What are you, what What are you spending your time doing? Morgan, tell us about Lucifer. Well, it's from a, the Watch the Watchtower, the Watchman series, or I forget where he comes from. But um, Lucifer is Lucifer, Satan, who decided he had enough of being the king and ruler of hell and decides to go instead to a little bit um, less hectic place in L.A. And that's what it's about. And about his character. I like his character development. Um, one thing that I didn't realize was that the guy who plays him um, was actually considered to be the new James Bond, but because he was um, on for the Lucifer, uh, it actually was on another channel, and then that channel dropped it, mm -hmm. and then Netflix picked it up, and then the people who liked it so much had a campaign. They waged it, and so then they did another, uh, another, uh, um, what was it called? Age is showing, I'm sorry, people. They did another season, and then people liked that. They so much more. They did another one. So they actually took it, renewed it for two more seasons because of the campaign of the Lucifer fans. Yeah. The internet's doing some good here. But I want to say real quick, Mom, thank you for bringing up a connection. This is the Lucifer from the Sandman series, Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. And I have talked about Sandman at least a couple of times because Listen, mom got me on audiobooks early. She hooked me early, like a dealer. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to audiobooks since elementary school. Um, so I finished the Sandman um, audiobook, a couple, like, I don't know, a month or more ago. Um, mom, you should, we, we share a library sometimes. You should listen to Sandman. I think you'd like it. But that's, yeah, that's the connection to Lucifer. He left hell, which is interesting because in Sandman, at the point that the story takes place, there's actually, it's a triumvirate. So he is, there had been a war in hell or, you know, and so now he's ruling with two other demons. One of which is Beelzebub. I'm trying to remember what the other one is. Beelzebub has a devil for a son. Yep. In you, right? Well, I don't know the rest of the words, but it is, that's, that's the Beelzebub. You. Yeah. The Lord of Flies. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So, Morgan, you like Lucifer. You've been talking about it pretty consistently for a while now in terms of like this is this is your favorite favorite show right yes 
Yeah. <laughs> other, the other, my other favorite show, it, it kind of has to grow on you. It's called The Midnight Stories, and it's set in Tokyo. It's about a guy who has a cafe restaurant that only opens up after midnight in Tokyo, and I really like it. Um, they just released their third season, so I'm going to start watching that. Um, so uh, I really like, I like things where people have character development and not just plot. And so I kind of like watching those little mini episodes where people go through things or have gone through things and what happens in their lives. So I really like that. What's the name of it? Midnight Stories. All right. We'll check it out. Netflix. Oh, perfect. That makes it easy. Tim, what are you up to? What have you been doing this week? Watched a lot this week, you guys. So I'm going to keep it really brief. I watched Vampire versus the Bronx on Netflix about these little kids in the Bronx fighting vampires. It was fun. It was cute. Did it remind you of Attack the Block? A little bit. Attack okay. the Block was a little more serious. This is a lot less serious than Attack the Block. It's a little goofier, uh, but still fun. Fun if you like really silly sci-fi. I watched that, and I watched this movie called So Into You. You've never Oh, I think it's on my list. This but a I third, haven't seen it. Third movie Sorry, all the boys love me it's trilogy. Called, it's called Playing It Cool. So I went to a different movie. It's called Playing It Cool. Okay. Wrong. It's got Chris Evans in it, and it's like a romantic comedy with him and Michelle Monaghan. Sounds Michelle like Monaghan. my type of show. It is your jam. You're going to love it. It was a lot of fun. I watched that. Um... And I started watching The Good Place, which I've never seen, which is really hilarious. How far in are you? I'm only like halfway through season one. Okay. I just started. Yeah. So that's been fun. And then I, uh, something Kendon might enjoy, I watched Utopia on Amazon Prime. I might give that a try. I started the British version like five years ago. There's a British version? Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's, it's an adaptation of a British version. It was it was kind of weird. I didn't get into it, but I had so many options of watching, so that's probably why. It was I heard a lot of good things. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And I caught up on The Boys, and The Boys continues to make me say, I can't believe they did that on television. <laughs> Which it says a lot, because I'm saying that about a lot of things these days, and so... <laughs> well, it's not, as we were discussing earlier, it's not on television. Yeah. It's on an internet network. Internet networks. How, what episode is that show on? Seven out of ten. I don't know how many. Like I, I refuse to wait episode to episode, so I'm just gonna wait. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when it's done. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, um, Lucifer was originally on Fox first before it went. Right. Thank you. It was on Fox. Like lie to me. Like lie to me. Lie to me. Do you all like steampunk at all? Yeah. <laughs> Do I like steampunk? Well, I just re I, I just recently finished up a series that I'm gonna say if you like snarky humor, you might like. It's called Johannes Snarky Cabal, Humor. Johannes Cabal Necromancer. And I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Um I I enjoyed it so much that when the when I got to the last book I put off listening to it because I knew it wasn't gonna be any more. So but that I would say if you like snarky humor, um Johannes Cabal um, Necromancer is pretty good. And that's a book? It's a book. It's an audio book, and you can get it through King County Library System. Nice. Excellent. 
I was going to say Morgan's the dealer for uh, Kendon's audiobook. I'm getting him hooked, but <laughs> the library is the is the distributor. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of good. Let's, we have a- let's, let's clear a few things up. I started him on audiobooks to help him learn how to read because way back when he was little, you could get the book, the actual little book, and a little cassette tape. And therefore, when mommy, who was busy going to school, <laughs> as well as working and things, you could sit him down with the book and he could listen to it on the tape recorder and turn the pages. So it was a way to get him to read and both his sister and him liked it. And it was a way for mommy to, to, to be involved in, in helping them learn how to read and be independent about what they read. Um, so I really don't feel like I, I, what I really did is hooked him on, on reading, but through a different way, through the storytelling tradition that is very strong in our cultures of storytelling. So I really hooked him on storytelling versus audiobooks. That's what I look at audiobooks is, is modern day storytelling. That makes so much sense. And then, so when you did that, did it also hook you? Because I know that you also listen to books via audiobooks for some time. Well, when Kendon was little, I was in, back in school. And so my genes, my brain for reading was all directed towards school. And I didn't really have leisure time to read. Because um, like I said, I was being a mom, working, going to school. And so that way, by listening to audiobooks in the car, I got to be have some break from having to do technical reading all the time that was related to nursing or midwifery. So that was my relaxation that I could do. And often I could choose stories if we were traveling together with the kids that the kids could listen to together. Like I remember one kid, kid that like was Judge D was this, this, you know, things like that that we could listen to together. So I, I really like that. And I've searched I, low and high and they have not done Judge D um, on M mp3 like like or streaming or anything like that we listened to judge d so what we listened to was i ripped a cd that i found at uh the library oh and they have the original cases of judge d which is like a chinese collection that was translated by a I think he's was he dutch robert yeah. van gulick yeah um but like the series that we grew up reading, which that person ended up writing based on the Chinese collection of a potentially historical figure. Mm-hmm. Like he, he must have written 20 different mystery novels, yeah. but they're not available. You have to listen to them on tape if those tapes are still good. So yeah. Tim, I don't know if we've talked about Judge D before, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. Chinese and he's a, like a detective sort of police officer. So he like goes okay. to different. Yeah. He's a judge. He is he, a judge. Yeah, um, but he also detects. Like he yeah, definitely investigates. His his role includes investigation, judgment, all of these different things. So he goes. It's like mystery to mystery, and it's pretty. He's good. like Judge Dredd. Yeah, I would say he's like Judge Dredd without the violence. Yeah. No, with the violence. No, oh, well. is he violent? Well, so he usually has a retinue, right? So he'll have a couple of people, uh, a couple of ruffians. But he's not an executioner. He, I think he has the authority <laughs> under the emperor. He does have the authority, the, the authority to do that, to, you know, say, yeah, this is what's going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to think about the time, right? Because it was a big country, and it's not like you can go and appeal to the central government every time. So he has the authority for executions. 
Yeah, I thought he had somebody else do that, but um, he didn't yeah. Do it himself, but he had the authority to do it, and he did do it, I think, a couple times. But yeah, anyway, I thought of him as like a detective, and then also when he makes a determination, he's also the judge. Like yep. he kind of like the um, agencies, like when you have state agencies now, they make their determinations, <laughs> and like they're like, this is our, our finding. Mm-hmm. So that's how we, I got um, Kenan into um, uh, re- listening to about audiobooks. But as for sci-fi and things like that, that came from my mother. My mother adored Star, the original Star Trek. Mm. And so I watched the original Star Trek and I've always loved, I, I grew up swiping my brother's comics because it wasn't considered a nice thing or a good thing for a girl to want to watch, read comics. And so I grew up swiping, you know, Aquaman, all of those from him. And then, you know, they had girly ones like Little Lulu and the Archies for girls. And I didn't like those. So I was a considered, you know, they, my nickname in grade school was the professor because I was always reading something, hiding comics. And I was, I guess, a nerd, I guess, or a geek. When before that, that was a thing to be. Mom, Shalia just gave me a significant look. Yeah, Kenan's the kid who would sit outside the gym and read his biology book for fun. Like, yep. Uh, so, Mom, that reminds me then. We need to have you back for apparently uh, Tom Baker. Doctor yes. Who. Yes. Was the doctor during 1980 through 1981. That was his final season. I'm a big Doctor Who fan, so that'll be fun. The old Doctor Who? Yeah, all of it. See, I I, I tried to show Shalia that after she really kind of fell in love with the newer Doctor Who, like the rebooted Doctor Who, she she wasn't impressed. The Eccleston start with all that, and Eccleston, and... Yeah. Yeah. I tried to go backwards to what I grew up on. I feel like we watched quite a bit of it. No, we we watched... Because there was like a woman who would go around with him, and... Like he always has a yeah, ex- companion. Yeah, I explained yeah. to you what was happening, but we didn't even finish. The, like, they call them series, so it would have been like several episodes with one overarching plot. Yeah, like five episodes or three to five episodes. We did not finish that. You were, you were not look at the screen. <laughs> well, so that's what I was gonna say, Morgan. I like that you. You had to appreciate Doctor Who if you grew up on Star Trek because you know they're their special effects were so cheesy and then you saw Doctor Who's and you'd be like, ah, that's the same era, who cares? You know what? It's the same. It's It's about ideas. It's about the idea. About the idea. So uh, that's fun. So um, Slash Film Daily, two of the people who are on that have done like a spinoff podcast where they are starting from, I think, the beginning and they're one of them. They're introducing each other to Star Trek and Doctor Who, and they're watching them together, and then have a podcast. Uh, uh, on I want to watch. This is something I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so I, I suggest it. I haven't listened to it yet, but they're they're good. Um, they're good people. I like listening to them on Slash Film Daily, and I thought that was pretty like a pretty good idea to like yeah. layer those two shows together. And I mean, that's that was my Saturday night for like what five six years. Well, what's interesting is like the two of them, like one of them is very familiar with Star Trek. The other one's very familiar with Doctor Who. So they're introducing each other to the other one. And I think it's kind of funny because in my mind, you would, if you like Star Trek, you probably also like Doctor Who. And so it's, I think of people having both 
in the repertoire. So it's interesting to have this where. It's because you're used to me. Because at one at the prime time, probably around 94, 95, it would be Star Trek. Original Star Trek came on at six. Mm-hmm. Star Trek The Next Generation came on at seven. Star Trek Deep Space Nine came on at nine, or at eight. Poor Carmen. And then Doctor Who started after that and went on for a few hours. And Carme hated those days. The only thing that she liked, and there was a little bit of a time when we would watch, what was the, the name of that doctor, doctor, um, female. Bowser? No, it was a female Dr. doctor. Dr. Quinn. Mes- medicine woman. Medicine woman. <laughs> That's Carme like Dr. Quinn? Like that. <laughs> that makes sense because, you know, Carme like, likes to take care of people, healthcare, that sort of stuff. But also, we have to give poor Carme a shout out because during this time was probably the only time I got to sit down and do her hair. And that was injury <laughs> for that poor child. Because it's I insult to injury. She want me to do it. And so here she's being forced to watch TV she doesn't really like. And we, and she wanted Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. So we watched it. Um, but um, is it David Tennant? Is he one of the. Um, He's one of the newer doctors from yeah, he like. Came in, he came in season two of the reboot. Right, anyway, which means like 96 or 2006 or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, any of you all watch um, the. The little series that they did with him with um that was one of the last books that um Terry Pratchett wrote. Yeah, we told yeah. you about that. Yeah, it was really good. Wait, did we? No. Is that is that Good Omens? Yeah. Yes. I read the actual book, Good Omens, and I've read almost all of Terry Pratchett's work, which is just just amazing to me. I love it's silly, but it, it pokes fun at, you know, a lot of things. And I really enjoyed it. So you should read Terry Pratchett too when you have a chance. You can listen mm-hmm. to an audiobook, it's even better. Yeah, we actually watched Good Omens together. That was one of the ones where we, I think we took a break in between recording podcasts and went downstairs at Club Southend and started Good Omens. That was, that was a nice, nice memory. Um, okay, so Tim, anything else that you're up to? That's it for me, not much. All right, I've also been up to quite a bit. Um, the, the, highlight of my week is I started watching HBO Max because I finally just logged into it on my phone one night before I went to bed. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) And the first thing that came, I don't know how I found it. It just, it was just on there. It knows you. It knows me already. Um, Was the Great Pottery Throwdown. So it's a British competition show. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's the same formula as all of the other competition shows we watch except for it's British. So it's like super chill and everybody's just kind of like friendly and goofing around and silly. Um, and it's pottery. So they, they're potters and they, they call them that. Okay. Potters, you've got this much time and it's, it's these English accents. So it sounds like Harry Potter. (laughs) Um, and it's so good. You get to watch them with the clay making different things on the wheel and, uh, I finished within two sittings. I finished the first season. There's three of them all together. So now I'm slowing down and like. She was sad on the episode I watched with her because she was like, "This is the last episode." Yeah, yeah, but I love it. I just like I I want to get my hands on some clay so bad right now. Um, so the Great Pottery Throwdown. So when people are on a wheel and they're um, clay, like they throw the clay onto the wheel and then they like are pulling it up that's called throwing 
And so it's a play mm-hmm. on words. It's throw down. Um, it's just, it's just, it, for me, I like crafts. And so it's just, and I always have liked clay. My, my um, nickname when I was really little was like the mud monster. Cause like my parents and friends, which they would just find me in mud. Cause I just <laughs> love the feel of it. Um, and so, yeah, the, it, it was wonderful. I highly recommend it. Um, I also watched uh, another show that's a Netflix made show. And I was a little frustrated with it. I told Kenan, it felt like they were really pandering because it was basically the little mermaid plus finding Nemo. It's called deep. And it's about a little yellow octopus um, who isn't listening to his grandpa and goes above the, like goes outside of where he's supposed to go. And I guess it's a little Moana as well. Mm-hmm. Um, creates a disaster and then has to try to fix it and go on an adventure. And it was just very like, I've seen this movie before and I feel insulted that they are trying to trick me into something, but then we realized that it's probably not for me. <laughs> it's for Kendon was like, well, then why'd you watch it? And why'd you keep watching it? And I was like, because I was babysitting my niece and I needed something on. And I was like, Oh, that's what it's for. Um, so realizing that some of this content is not the best content and it's not really meant to be anything new. It's just something that you can have on for the kid. Um, so I'm less irritated with it, but I, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody over five. So what do you, what do you think Mr. Rogers would think of that? Mr. Rogers would not like it. I don't think the Mr. idea Rogers that would they're like making it. content just for you to, to, to sit the kid in front of and <laughs> just no. go away. I mean, she didn't even really watch it. It was mostly me watching it. Like <laughs> she was doing other things. I also got her on. What was that Morgan? She's seen the story before she knows the ending. Right. Exactly. I don't know how it happened. I was just like, I need something to play. Um, the other thing I did play for her is Cosmic Kids. I don't know if we've talked about that. It's a um, woman who does yoga and for kids. So it's really cool because she's telling a story as she's moving you into different poses and they're being those poses. So like they turn into a cat and then they make a giant hot air balloon and then they do this and that. And it it's really uh, effective. The only problem is is that the epi- one of the episodes that we were in, they turned into mermaids, and then that's all my niece wanted to be. And so all of a sudden, we're jumping from couch to couch and being mermaids and not actually doing any more yoga. So, um, but it's it's highly recommended from me and other parents. I think are really getting into it too. So any friends who are parents are dealing with little kids, cosmic kids is pretty is pretty useful right now. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is SNL. So Saturday Night Live is back mm-hmm. in the studio last as of last night, and I really enjoyed it. Like I didn't I, watch it yet. It's 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 it was a good one. Um, Chris Rock is the host, and Megan The Stallion was the musical guest. And like, yeah, it's it. Um, was she walking around? Was she walking? Yeah, didn't she get shot? She got shot in the foot. She was dancing. It was months ago. She's she's recovered. Um, but yeah, like her performances, specifically the first one, I really liked. Um, was it WAP? A, they did what song was? It? I don't remember. It was Savage. Um, and they did a, um, kind of a, a message about protecting black women, and I really liked it. And Chris Rock was oh. funny as always, but they. Uh, yeah, they're just, they were just good. It was spot on. Like, it was just one of those where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is nice. And then immediately after that, especially because now we can watch it at 9 p.m. on the West Coast. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, that's what I'm going to do. 
Um, and then the, there was a, a vintage SNL that they played right after. And it was from a year ago. And it was the impeachment. It was when Trump oh. was like calling everybody to be like, I, I'm freaking out. What do I do? And like Giuliani's like on CNN talking to him on his phone and he's calling um, a, a chairman <laughs> in Korea <laughs> yeah. and getting advice. He's like, man, your country's so cool. Anyway, I was like, wow, that was a year ago. I can't believe how much has passed during that time. A lot of happened since impeachment. Um, but so that was just good. But I just, um, yeah, I appreciate SNL right now. So um, for anyone who hasn't watched it, it was, I, I thought it was particularly good. Um, so Kendon, what are you up to? I'll keep it short. One, there's a YouTube channel that I've uh, been listening to a lot called Filmento. It's like F-I-L-M-E-N-T-O. Um, it's this guy with an accent. And so it kind of caught me. I was like, okay, I'll listen to this guy. I didn't know where he's from. Finally found out he's from Krakosia, which is like a, like a Central Year, or Central Asian slash... Yeah, Azerbaijan. I think it's next to Azerbaijan. Anyways, it happens to be, if I'm correct, the uh, the country that Tom Hanks is from in the movie where he's stuck in an airport. Oh, that's interesting. I thought he was Iranian. That's what Sahar told me. No, so that's what the person who the story was based on, I believe, was from Iran. Yeah. But in the movie, they changed it. Um, so I think it's Krakosia. Anyways, he has a thing against Swedish people because they beat them at soccer whenever it matters, he says. <laughs> um, so um, he's a writer um, on a TV show. I don't know what TV show, but he typically talks about, he basically has film perfection or film disaster, or film failure, like two different uh, series on his channel. And he just talks about how to make, like how to analyze writing and, how to make things better or, or why something went wrong. And it's good because it's not like CinemaSins or one of the other channels where it's there to really tear things down. It's more often there. Like I, the episode that I want, I would want Shalia to listen to is actually man of steel because he actually makes a good point, a good case for how man of steel could have been a much better movie by simply moving around a few scenes. So that movie has several um, flashback sequences but they don't match tonally with the scenes before or after it but if you literally shuffle them around they would so like the just for example the scene where um clark kent's uh, father dies and um his father's like don't save me we don't want you to um reveal your powers he, he's like that should have been right next to the scene um on the oil rig who saves the people where he goes and saves the people Right. There's several like when you sit and listen to what he's saying, there's, you know, three or four of these flashback sequences that directly connect thematically to a scene lit, like during the present day or whatever of Superman is an adult. And it would have the whole thing would have thematically flowed together better. Now, it wouldn't Shalia still would have been angry at certain aspects of it, but it was like he made a really good case. Anyways, he's fun to listen to. Is he the one who did a like why Winter Soldier is like the best horror movie? Not horror movie, but yes. Did he say a horror movie? He 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 did a really good one about Winter Soldier and how it it was it was a scary movie or horror movie or something, but just how they had like this like pending doom the whole time and like an invisible um, threat 
And anyway, it, like he, he really hit like a bunch of points about how that movie worked really well. What was really good was he was like, you take a hero who is very comfortable on the battlefield with a team, you know, where he can punch his problems essentially. Cause like one of the earliest pictures of, of Captain America is him literally punching, I think Hitler. Yeah. Right? And they're like, okay, bring him to the modern world. Right. Bring him into gray morality. Um, he can't trust anybody around him and the threat he's going up against, he can't punch. Like even if he beats the winter soldier, the winter soldier is, is being controlled by somebody else. And so there's a constant sense of dread. Julia's right. It's a really good episode. Yeah, dread is the um, is the thing. How how to make Kyrgyzstan? the audience dread? What was that? Is it the, the country called Kyrgyzstan? No, no, uh, uh, Krakosia. Um, Krakosia is the Republic of Krakosia is a country in Southeast Europe. It borders Romania, Bulgaria. Can you K R A K O. Z-H-I-A. All right, so just, so anyways, good channel. Listen to that channel. The other, um, the other thing I've been doing is playing a game called Spellbreak with some friends. Spellbreak is kind of like a mixture between Avatar The Last Airbender and Fortnite. Um, people are probably familiar with Fortnite in one way or another, especially if you have kids of a certain age. Um, it's what you call a, um, a battle royale game. So that's kind of the big popular version of competitive video games right now where there's a map it's always exactly the same map which is um why it's almost like a sport you get used to the field you always know but what happens is when you land with another say 40 uh, 40 other people and it's basically last man standing except for um there's a continual uh how do we say constricting of the space right so there's a circle, and after two minutes, that circle will close. If you're outside of the circle when it closes, you start taking damage. So it, that's how they force it so that you're, uh, by the time you have like four people, they're not on a big wide map. They're close to each other, right? And it's fun because if you get eliminated, it's like, okay, I'm eliminated. You hop into the next game. Um, and people the, also uh, play with teams. So like I watched Kevin die, and like, but we were still watching the other two team members. Yeah, you have an option to play one, two, or three people um, on, a, on your team. Um, and the reason why it's like Avatar is because these are, it's called Spellbreak because you're playing as these mages, like um, uh, wizards that can control elements. So there's a stone, there's stone, poison, lightning, ice, wind, and fire. Yep, and since you can have one, um, spell in each hand or one spell type there's combinations so like lightning and poison will make like a lightning poison cloud <laughs> anyways it's a it's a lot of fun if i have updates for it um i'll talk to you guys again later i recommend it i get to watch him play it in the living room and it's, it's a good one i like it by the way krakosia is a fictional country just really- not according to wikipedia is created for the film that closely resembles a former Soviet Republic or Eastern Bloc state. The exact location of Krokosia is kept intentionally vague in the series, keeping sticking with the idea of Victor simply being Eastern European from a formal... Okay, I'm going to have to do Googling because the place that this person is from is real. So maybe he just happened to have uh, the country had a similar name. 
because so I Kyrgyzstan. That's the reason why I asked you it was a Kyrgyzstan. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll figure this out, but let's go ahead and keep going. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Let's go back to the 80s. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Huh. What breed of dog is Cujo? In the horror movie of the same name. So is he a bull mastiff? I never no. watched this. The German this Shepherd? No. no. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Cujo? I don't like scary movies. Think Beethoven. Doesn't that just give it away? He, he's a St. Bernard. Oh, St. Bernard. There you go. In 1988, what talk show host suffered a broken nose during an on-air brawl but continued on with the rest of the show? Geraldo. Yeah. Watch it. What hip-hop group released its first studio album, Licensed to Ill, in 1986? Beastie Boys. I did not know they were that old. What English musical theater composer wrote the music for Cats, Starlight Express, and The Phantom of the Opera? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Correct. In what year was Trivial Pursuit first released? Did you guys know Trivial Pursuit is made in the 80s? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. 1981, 1986, or 1989? Oh, I guessed it wasn't even one of the options. 1986. So, you were so close the first time. It's 1981. Um, okay, so that card is done. Kendon, take it away. And uh, let's get into our movie. Are you guys ready? I'm not quite ready. I just want to say I may have been fooled by somebody claiming that they were from a fake country. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love geography, so I try to know the names of countries, and I'm like, I never heard of that country before. Let me I hadn't either. That's I had I was, like, I was what? like, oh, okay. this, this is brand new country I just never even knew existed, but didn't question it. Just thought it was me. All right, let's do this movie. Oh, Kendon. <laughs> okay, good job, Morgan. Way to be a fact checker here. <laughs> She's doing what I do on episodes. Uh, yeah, now, now we've been led astray. It turns out... <laughs> How? What other things have you produced this fact, Kendon? Oh, uh, the list is probably deep. So, let's go back to the witches. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. Who's the Grand High Witch? The Witches. Yeah, in for a treat. You must stop them. 1990, made in the 80s, The mm. Witches. Tim, can you tell us who made and how it was made, The Witches? It was directed by Nicholas Rogue, who passed away in 2018. I didn't realize that. Um, it stars Angelica Houston, Mai Zetterling, Jason Fisher, Rowan Atkinson, who I was surprised to see pop up in there. Oh, I loved that. Bill Patterson, Brenda Blinks, Charlie Potter, Anne Lamberton, and Jane Horrocks. So, Morgan, as our guest and as the one who... Well, actually, tell us first, before we, you tell us what the movie is about, um, why did you pick this movie? Well, um, we were discussing Halloween-type things, something to do for Halloween. And I'll, I could think of the movies that I could think about. Um, it just came to my mind, which is... I didn't even know that it was made in the 1980s. I just That's the only movie I could really think about um, 
Hocus Pocus for some reason hadn't been in my brain. But anyway, that's the movie I could think about, The Witches. And I think it was because I had just finished watching it with my sister. That's why it was in the forefront. I was like, oh, witches. That makes sense. Okay. Can you tell us um, what the movie is about? The movie is about a little boy and his grandmother who, um, first off, uh, his parents die, and then his grandmother and him move back to England, and then she's sick, so she goes to a vacation on a seaside hotel, and there's a convention of the witches, and her grandma, his grandmother is trying to teach him how to protect himself and about the evil that the witches are in the world, and they discover a plot that the witches have to turn all the children in England into mice. And this little boy gets turned into a mice with another little boy, and the two of them um, foil the plot by putting the formula, Formula 86, into the witch's food and turning them all into mice. And then the poor hotel is overrun with mice. And you can see all of the people who were staying at the hotel at the end of the movie running away from the hotel, trying to do everything to get, and like two or three extermination bands there trying to get, you know, get rid of the mice. But that's what that's about. Why are you so much more effective at doing a plot summary than I am? Kendon <laughs> <laughs> tends to go... I tend a, to meander. A bit, yeah, a bit long and a bit zigzaggy. <laughs> so, Ryle, Ryle how do you say his name? Roald Dahl? Roald? Ronald Dahl wrote it. It's one of his books. Now, Kendon, you found out that this was the last movie made by of his books and um, made by Jim Henson. Before they each before died they in 1990. Died that same year it was released, 1990. So it was a Jim Henson, um, his studios co-produced it. And it makes sense because there are a lot of creatures in this movie to to make all of these mice and the witches too they're all weird looking so um so Roald Dahl the book though I so I had no idea that he was so old a writer because I thought when we were reading it in elementary school it was current I guess but the book came out in 1983 and he also wrote Charlie <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Wow. Matilda, James and the Giant Peach. Big Friendly Giant. Yep, the BFG, um, which are, I mean, Matilda I also didn't know was so old because I watched that movie and loved it growing up. But the others, I, I think of those as really old stories. So it was a little confusing to realize that he wrote those and also this, and this was in 1983. I mean, his, his must the bulk of his stuff must have been from the 60s to the 80s. I guess. Yeah, I think so. And what did he have against adults? Because <laughs> there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of uh, authors or directors of movies that are popular with kids that you would ask that same question. Yeah, it's like very, the adults are big and mean. Because um, Matilda is that way too. I mean, there's like one or two nice adults, but like there's like, there's just all of these adults in your life that are just not nice. I'm wondering if that's something that's changed since the 80s since the 60s 70s and Doubt 80s it. Are well there's nicer now there's a, there's less of the the children should be seen and not heard you don't hear that anymore yeah i think we're nicer maybe mr rogers helped i feel like we're nicer to kids I, yeah well i think um 
you know, to draw children in, you know, first off, when you talk about this particular movie, um, there's some symbolism that is at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie that um, having now watched it and watched it more critically, that there was some foreshadowing of what was going to happen in here. So the parents get into a big black car that is long, you know, very big, and you, you realize that they die in it. It's like it's reminiscent of a hearse. And at the very end of the movie, the, 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 the surviving witch drives off in a white car. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. so um, I think this is that, sounding like Malcolm X a little bit. Well, the thing being is, is that um, I think that um, he he was probably I don't know his old how old he was, but he probably you know a lot of things like around the he survived um, World War Two, so there was a lot of scary things going on, and mm-hmm. the people who were in power. We're doing a lot of scary things that you didn't, you couldn't react to. So the world is a scary place. The adults make scary decisions. You are just battered from place to place. That's what I believe a lot of his books play into. And children who are drawn to him or who enjoy his, people who enjoy his work are people who've experienced that, you know, things has happened, you know, like right now, kind of what he's talking about his, his world vision is happening to children now in the time of COVID-19. The world is upside down. People that they don't know are making decisions about their lives. that They don't have anything to, to be able to say anything about. And adults are all just as stressed as well. So I think that some of his stuff is the product of the time that he grew up. So, so a I, bit I'm of a glad connection. that you mentioned World War II because, Kendon, we were, we were watching this and we were like, wait, are we really talking about uh, a Ger- it sounded like a German leader uh, talking about exterminating <laughs> a group of people. Like that's what Angelica Houston's. She sounds like she's a Nazi. <laughs> like 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 ver- verbally sounds like she's a Nazi. But I want to make another uh, another connection, especially since we've done a bunch of Miyazaki movies. He was from. Um, I believe he was born before World War II, and their country changed a whole lot. And a lot of their movies, including his, seem like um, a reaction to pre versus post uh, war Japan. And um, another similarity from England, because I think this is probably an impact for a lot of uh, major British writers of the period, would be um, J.R.R. Tolkien, who fought in World War One, and those influences um, kind of led to a lot of the aspects of uh, the Lord of the Rings. Right, and the idea of protecting the Shire, which is kind of like the pre the pre World War um, period England English countryside from the massive devastation of the evil outside world. Yeah, and he served in the World War Two as well. So I think J.R.R. Tolkien did. No, um, not excuse me, Ronald Roald Dahl. Oh, okay. He was in the war too. So, like I said, I think a lot of his is what he's bringing to it is that sense of, you know, children didn't know really what was going on. Bombs was just, you know, you know, dropping out of the sky. But now, even in today's, even in today's literature for a lot of children, you either have an absent mother or absent father or absent parents. Mm-hmm. And that allows, or either they're physically absent because they're died or they're just not there, 
or they're emotionally absent because they're so busy with something else. And that allows the child to um, play into their imagination, to deal with what's going on in their lives in the way that is meaningful for them. I think that that's, you know, you know, finding Nemo, there's no mom. <laughs> well, that's Disney too. <laughs> like Disney likes to do that to the mom. I'm literally thinking but, of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, but um, kind of going back to your uh, filmento, because that's one of the things, right, that they, they talk about in terms of having the audience dread and like really pull them in is taking away their stability. And so if your parents are your stable security, um, like in Captain America, Winter Soldier, like all of these people that he does rely on and trust, like basically you don't have any of that. You take all of that away and then you're, you're, no. yeah. So I think that works for kids, like take away their adult figures who take care of them, like their moms. And that's how they end up in all of these adventures that, yeah. They pull it off in a different way in horror movies. Now that I think about it. A, lot of, a lot of those 80s horror movies is that the adults don't believe them or cannot perceive the existence of the, of the, um, I, I'm thinking of like a nightmare on Elm street. Like the adults are not in, really involved, even though they'll be around. So yeah, it's, it's for some reason or another, your the authority slash uh, security, you know, system is not, able to to help you in whatever situation you're in it's kind of perfect timing for spooky october i don't know uh if that those elements are going to be in the other movies that we do coming up but um definitely introduced here so that's good one thing that we should mention we did mention when we first started talking about just started the episode is that there is a remake coming um so friends we are going to spoil this Sorry if you haven't read or watched The Witches, but um, it's definitely past the uh, <laughs> the window as far yeah. as yeah. But and I'm realizing they, they there's a lot of people, yeah, or like teenagers. It could be different. You're right. Like there might there are definitely going to be differences in the new movie. Um, but like teenagers, or I mean, friends who haven't aren't familiar with the old one. Um, not sure how close it's going to be to the new one. So FYI, <laughs> listen at your own risk. Because, yeah, we're like just the we're other talking one, about it. The new one's going to be more lighthearted. Because this movie is, Shalia did not, did not it's get with dark. this movie. This is a dark movie. It is. I mean, it's yeah. like the story of Erica, which is a dark story about this little girl who gets kidnapped by a witch and stuck in a painting. Well, it's very much like an old school, um, like Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Right? I remember mom was all over uh, Little Mermaid. Like, that's not how the Little Mermaid ends. <laughs> and that's the truth you know disney you take a movie and you disney you take a tale or most of the fairy tales that disney does they disney fire them and mm -hmm. the you know many of the stories you know the little mermaid didn't get what she wanted because the whole the whole the whole point of the story was you know to know the real value of people versus just their exterior and these, you know, fairy tales were to tell you some real, there were real elements. You know, it was dangerous for children who got stepmothers. There were some dangers because people often, children often died and you, you mm -hmm. know, people would say the stepmother did it or whatever. So there was some dangers in the woods. There were, there were women, you know, old women were vilified as witches. Yeah. So um, I really don't know that Ronald, he had issues with adults but I do believe um, he had issues with women is what I really think he had issues well, with. Well, you know, what's interesting is that 
one group of women that would get it particularly bad were midwives, right? Yes. Because they would know things about health or the the right herbs or, or natural this or that. And then, you know, particularly someone, uh, some institution like the Catholic Church would, would look at them and they would then be like, oh, you know, unnatural magic, which is funny because it's <laughs> literally natural. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, I, I'm going to focus this on mom, but I'm going to ask all of you, what aspect, based on what we're talking about, what aspect of this movie did Roald Dahl have the biggest problem with? What do you mean? Did he have a problem with? He was very opposed to something that happened in this movie. Oh, really? Killing the witch. No? Mom, do you know? The witch coming at the end to save him? Yeah. In the yeah. book, in the book, he stays a mouse. And not only that, like in an interview, Roald Dahl is basically saying, um, what's so great about being a human like he's going to like he says verbally that the or the kid does luke um i don't think he has a name in the book but i'm not sure um that he enjoys being a mouse and he's yeah. gonna live he's more he's like scabbers from um harry potter so he's gonna live a human lifestyle a life uh lifespan yeah yeah um and so he was like yeah what's so great about being human yeah um, and that's even in the dialogue when they first meet up he's just like yeah it's not so bad yeah well and he um he gets so there is foreshadowing in this that i did not catch but kenan showed it to me on his birthday when he gets the two mice for his birthday present yeah. he's mm-hmm. talking about how it wouldn't be too bad to be a mouse and yeah. apparently that was foreshadowed and he's building his own he's already in the process of building this amazing world that Dude. he's building it for the mice but clearly it's something he would love to to be <laughs> able to have himself now was this all a dream I don't think when so. he goes to so the movie starts with him his family's visiting the grandma in Norway mm-hmm. she's telling him all about witches and then he goes to sleep and yeah, so she's telling him this right before bedtime right before bedtime yeah, the hell of a story and so in my mind this is all a dream that he's now dreaming about witches yeah. no I, I don't think, think so. so no so me, speaking of speaking of filmento this is exactly the sort of thing he would say is a terrible idea for a movie don't undermine the stakes of your movie by saying it has essentially like a dream, unless it's a dream that impacts the outside world. Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. As I say, that's the sort of thing. A dream, if you say your whole story was a dream, then you've deflated the stakes of the... Well, but they don't say it was a dream. That's the thing. Like they don't. That's why I don't think it is. I'm saying you, you, you were saying there's a hint to you that it might be. But I don't think it is. And I think he's a good enough writer and this movie is of enough quality that they would avoid the idea of being like, oh, tricked you. None of this really happened. So why did you feel like, uh, why did you feel dread through this movie? So sticking with the beginning of this, uh, so the grandma is telling him about witches. And um, I was wondering, like, it felt anti-Semitic partially just because of like the Hasidic women who wear wigs. Um, like there's a whole group of women who at any age they are wearing wigs to cover their hair and Mm -hmm. so I was like this seems a little problematic but then he starts talking about like their feet are all messed up and so they only can wear sensible shoes and Mm -hmm. then their hands are and I was like oh okay no he's just basically saying yeah and women are just you don't know if they're underneath monsters basically well i mean one of the things that's character ask any woman with short hair 
that's already something that in, in society, in like mainstream society, maybe changing now, but is something that would be like, uh, like odd, like that's not, that's not ladylike to have short hair, right? So a woman with no hair would be considered unnatural. Mm, that's a good point, right? Like the, um, the Hasidic Jewish women who wear the wigs, it's not because they don't have hair. It's because you're not allowed to see it. Yeah. So, okay. That makes sense. Um, so Morgan, I'm curious about when you watched this movie and whether you had read the book before you watched it. Um, I read the book a long time ago. And um, I wa- I've watched the movie several times. And yesterday I rewatched it because we were, so I could be re-refreshed about it. And so I looked at it in a much more critical eye than I normally had. Other than I know there's a sense of dread, you know, the, 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 the sense, you know, they don't, you know, about when this happened. So this is like the 60s, the 70s, probably when this happened, you know, when it's, you know, looking at the house, things that like you would never do. Like the grandmother lights candles in a floating water thing to leave that child to sleep in. And, you know, me yeah. raising children in the 80s would be like, Kenny would have burned himself to death. Well, you know, that's the, that's, the point of it being, that's the point of it being in the water so that you don't. Yeah, but you would have been playing with that. No, 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 We're like talking when about I've... a child that Kendon, who was born in the 80s, would have been messing with them candles, and we would have had a fire in the house. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm like, Listen, oh, I, am, I am entirely not the child who um, was curious about outlets and stuck a stapler into it. A stapler? A staple. Yeah, it's just, it's just the right width for you to take a stapler and staple a staple into your power outlet he's in also fact, the kid my... who got suspended from kindergarten because you kept sticking your finger in the i easel. did not get suspended or you something happened you kept they took me to the nurse's office in twice easel. in one day because i kept playing around with the easel and i got my finger stuck in it wait it wasn't twice in one day it wasn't twice in well, one you day. did it multiple times is what i remember anything about this when I go to his classroom and his teacher and he has this thing there and I'd be like, do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> and it just holds up, like, holds up books. Throughout my childhood, there is a, there was a line in between the two prongs on the, how do I say, the, the plastic cover for the, um, for the outlet in my room had a line in it where the, the middle of the staple had burned that plastic. And also, I tried to blame it on the cats. <laughs> as you see, the thing is, you know, I'm looking at this as a mother, and I'm thinking like, oh, no, there is no way I would have left those candles in that room. You know, I might have been able to get away with it with Carme, but not with Kendon. <laughs> we would have had a house fire. So now those, this, those this kid, were, Luke, is definitely not a Kendon personality. It doesn't quite seem. Maybe... I don't know, but originally, like the first time you saw this, do you like? Do you remember? Were these these were not your reactions when you saw it? Do you well, remember when you saw it? Was it back like when it was new? Many, many, many years ago, and, and my reaction basically was that you know, all oh, this is dreadful. Um, you know, the witches. You know, I, again, how witches are used throughout time and literature. I probably thought about. But I actually liked it a lot. I remember liking it a lot because it's much more real than the Disney. I don't like Disney-fied things. Mm. So therefore, I like the story a lot better because I didn't like Disney-fied things. Well, also, Mom, you just like wicked things. 
you like things with a bit of a wicked sense of humor or a bit yes. like whenever we get whenever we get to Masters of the Universe to to do that movie which we're going to do a special something for mom you remember Evil Lynn yes and we, mom always loved when when Evil Lynn looked at the situation and she's like I'm not staying for this fool for for Skeletor <laughs> I'm out of here <laughs> like mom just likes those sort of those sort of witchy characters or wicked thing I mean Lucifer clearly <laughs> Knocky, uh, you know, sense of, yeah, you know, I do, I really do, because literally she's saying what I was saying in the situation. Oh, this don't look like it's gonna go down good. I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I do appreciate that when someone reacts the way that you would react, and you're like, oh, thank good, like thank you. Somebody, somebody makes sense in this. Tim, how old were you when you saw this movie? Never saw it. First time I ever watched it. Really? What about the book? Did you ever Never read the, the book? book either? Mm-mm. So Roll Doll was a huge part of my childhood. Never read the book. When I when I was watching the beginning of the movie, I was wondering if I was watching the, the right movie because it was the story of Erica and this little girl. I was like, what is this? This is this. I had to double check to make sure it was, I was watching the right movie because it felt so different from like I've seen clips of it and I've seen stills of it, like mostly stuff from the gathering in the ballroom where they sort of reveal themselves as witches. So I was like, is this the right movie? So I had the same reaction, Tim, because yeah. So I think it was third grade, maybe. I, I, the, the classroom that I'm visually, like I, my memory is, is the third grade classroom. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. I think maybe we read the book and I just had an imagination of what was happening. Cause I have some like visual memories of this. But when we were watching this movie, I was like, this is not, I don't know any of this. I don't recognize Erica and the little girl. I don't. I think maybe I just saw covers of Angelica Houston, but like when the witches turn into witches, I've never seen any of that. Um, like the costume and stuff that they do. This is maybe the, the, one of the first instances of a movie neither of you guys have seen and I saw growing up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So to Ken and Hold, were you when you saw it? I assume I was somewhere around seven or eight because I think I saw it when it was brand new. And had you read the book beforehand? I don't recall what order I read all those books in because that book is probably a little older than I, uh, how do I say above my kindergarten reading level. I think I was introduced first to to Charlie and the chocolate factory through the movie, which is Willy Wonka and the Charlie factory. Right. Mm -hmm. And then probably I remember James and the giant peach really early. I think one of our teachers, maybe second grade or something like that, read that to us. Okay. But so I have more of a memory of the movie than the book in this case. Can you tell us as a child watching it versus adult watching it? He listened to this book. That makes sense. This is an example. Because I'm reading reading through, you know, um, his biography and looking at his books. He listened to this book Mm -hmm. versus reading the book. That I'm yes. Yeah. Well, so we call reading listening, or we all of the listening that we do. <laughs> like we don't read very many books. We we listen to them, <laughs> but yeah. we consider that reading. So, okay. can you tell us as you know, as a child watching it, do you remember how you reacted to it and what you took away from it? And is that any different from watching it as an adult today? Yeah, partially to answer that question, Shalia and I often find uh, Shalia started this find a podcast, just a different podcast. Um, to uh, after we've watched the movie to kind of hear what somebody else thinks about the movie and you know um and so there's one called 
what is it called? It's called As an Adult. And they watched the, the, the movie and they had an interesting discussion about it. Um, so as a kid, here's the thing. And part of the premise of that podcast is like, oh, is this appropriate for children now? Because they are both our age and then they have kids now. So they're like looking at stuff when they were young and being like, I don't think I would introduce this to my kid at this age. So I think that maybe is a bit of overprotected list because arguably I turned out fine. Also, I wasn't that there, there, there weren't a lot of things that scared me as a kid that, um, that are considered like overly scary. This movie did not scare me. This movie was, had the sort of peril in it to me that the princess bride had, like, this was all fun to me. But even not the ballroom scene when they take off their face, like I could see that scaring a child. Like, I that- can see it scaring a child. It most likely delighted me. Now I'll watch scary things or creepy things as maybe a better thing. I don't like things jumping. Like I don't like jump scares, right? But I also think that's cheap. Um, so as a kid, oh yeah, she was oh, like I didn't know this was Jim Henson, but it's like her as a witch is burned into my head as cre as, as for a better lack of a better term at least how I interpret it now is creativity. Mm-hmm. Like I like the idea of, of, of worlds that are right. On, I mean, that's why I would like something like Harry Potter that are right on the edge of our perception of the world. Yes. So her taking off that mask and being this creature with the long fingers. I don't, I don't think I even as a kid, I believed witches existed in that way. So I'm not scared of it in that way. I'm just like, Oh, this is a story. Just like, like I said, this is like Star Wars. This is like whatever. This is a world that's not my world. So it didn't freak me out. It seemed fun. And I grew up on uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers and things like that. So the whole running around the, the world behind the walls and like all of that sort of thing. I don't know. It's just a fun invention to me. Uh, Stuart Little, was that already existing? I think Stuart Little was written when we were in like middle school or high school. Written? Yeah, and I think oh. the movies came out after uh, we graduated from high school. Oh, I thought it was a much older story than that. Okay. I, that's why I say I think. The movies definitely were afterwards. But for me, this movie... Go ahead, Tim. This movie's really interesting because I think it's, it feels like one movie up until the part until he gets chained into a, a mouse. That it, happens pretty deep in. Yeah, it, have, it feels like a different movie after that point. Where it feels more like a... Stuart Little's style of like adventure and these two mouse, these mouse running around trying to, you know, that, that scene in the kitchen reminds me of Ratatouille. Like they're just mice running around the kitchen and leading up to that point when we're learning about the witches and this boy's very curious and his, his grandmother has diabetes. It feels like, uh, like more like one of those grim sort of tales and less like a sort of cartoonish funny movie. I think it's, there's that violent mouse transformation and then after that it feels much lighter even though they're being chased by witches and people trying to step on them the whole time yeah, i agree with you Stuart little was written in 1945 that yeah i'm just seeing it is an old uh, book but the thank movie you. was 1999 thank yeah. you i was like i thought this was an older movie or story it makes sense yeah um i think um first off i want to talk about the grand high wit i think <laughs> angelica Houston was having a ball. Mm-hmm. She just, you know, because, you know, actors and actresses often say that playing a bad, playing a bad character where you can just be, you know, just over the top, whatever, mm-hmm. is sometimes more fun than, you know, having to be the good character. Yeah. And she was having a ball. You could I just mean, tell. 
as soon as she she shows up doesn't somebody say oh you're looking good and she's like i wish i could say the same for you she's mean girls she's mean girls as soon as she gets there so she is one of my favorite actors like Mm. um, how do i say favorite if you ask me like who are the best actors she is on the top of my list and the reason is because i hate her so much i can't look at her without thinking of her as being just mean and evil she's so good at it but not from this movie not from this movie it's um she's the stepmother in ever after a cinderella story which i mentioned last week but like she's just so mean and she's so good at it that like she's one of those who um she did so well at it that I can't picture her as a real person. I picture her as the character when I see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm not surprised when watching this, how good she is because she just, she is amazing at these <laughs> evil woman, mean. She mom, is. mom yes. do you have memories or did you watch the Adams family growing up? Yes, I did. How well did she as Morticia, right? Because she plays Morticia in the Adams Family movies that I grew that I grew up in and saw. Do you remember? She seemed perfectly suited to that role. Yeah, she was perfectly. You know who I always thought that she was perfectly suited for that role because she really knew how to look down her nose. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. she knew how to look down her nose on somebody, and she also, um, uh, I always thought that she would play the best Cruella Deville. You know, yeah, I believe it. I'm not saying who who played didn't do a good job. I just thought, oh my gosh, she's Cruella Deville from just you know. But I think she got to a point where she didn't want to play as many of those roles anymore. And her father was a famous um, movie director, so oh. and she was also uh, her partner used to be what's his name uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, those two so, together move. Wow. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, is it Jack Nicholson or, yeah, I think it was Jack Nicholson. Anyway, I just feel she was just having a really good time with this role. And it was like, uh, it just was like, I could just, I, could, I was just drunk. She drew me in. Her performance draws me in much more so than, um, uh, the, the grandmother. The grandmother's good, but she draws you in. Yeah, this is the linchpin about this is really what witches are, and he, she is the grand high witch, and she is like, I'm going to show you. How am I only no- now noticing her name is spelled with a J? That's really uh, unusual. So, so wait, I-, I also think that she would have been amazing in Devil Wears Prada. It's similar. Yes. Um, which is funny because uh, both Anne Hathaway and what's his face are going to be in this remake of The Witches. Stanley Tucci. Yeah, which are and they're so it's like oh they're together again in The Witches. But Octavia Spencer plays a grandma, which I agree. I think she's going to have much. I mean, Grandma has a huge role in this movie, but the actor herself is not super compelling. But I think Octavia Spencer will but definitely. She, she fits take, the role. It actually reminds me the of the the kid. Also, the kid is clearly not a child star. He doesn't. He's not like the child sort of actor that they would have put in a lot of the ones growing up or or now he's not polished in that way which actually makes him seem like an actual kid he seems like an actual kid bouncing around like uh like but but not like a child a serious child actor star like overly makeup or just whatever he's a little awkward looking and <laughs> yeah, it makes you know, him more relatable 
I agree because unfortunately I got the movies mixed up that I was supposed to be watching and I watched Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I watched The Witches and the little girl who plays um, the, the little girl in the movie on Hocus Pocus, you can tell she's a child actor. You could tell yeah. that it was a, you know, it was, she was just much more, you know, her crying and everything mm -hmm. like that, you know, is just different. You know, you do feel it, that the little boy draws you in and then Al Angelica Houston just says, okay, we're here. Yeah. You know? I mean, to be, to be right, uh, he is a child actor, right? He's just like different than other, like than more mainstream child actors now. But I wanted to roll back to something that Tim was talking about. Um, up until, like, the first half of this movie is a different movie, right? Mm -hmm. Up until the point where they reveal what their plan is, which is to turn them into mice after she berates one of the other witches for suggesting poison. Anything, yeah. is, anything is pedestrian is poison. This movie could take a, a hard right, or not even a hard right, because this is the point. It could stay on its path and turn into an actual horror movie. Like if you kind of changed the lighting a bit and a bit of the cinematography, and this turned into a real horror movie where people are being trapped in paintings, or like that's a horrifying fate, yeah. right? This this movie could be an actual horror movie, especially because Celia was like, uh, when she saw that hotel, she's here talking about this is like The Shining. It is Overlook Hotel. Right? Yeah, you're you're kind of it's a kind of you being trapped in a remote area and and the best I can think of is there's another show or something where people become trapped in something. And like green room? No, they're they're, they're trapped in a room. I mean like trapped in the painting. Oh. Where yeah. you become I mean the sea witch turns people into uh in our in little mermaid turns people into uh like seaweed. Mm -hmm. Right? And there is one thing that scared the, for some reason, scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And it was called Unico, Unico, like unicorn, with, but Unico. And it's, it turned out to be a, I had to search for it because they randomly played it on Nickelodeon when I was either homesick from school or half day. So it was like the middle of the day Nickelodeon, which is just random shit. And this is a Japanese cartoon. I didn't know any of this at the time, right. but it's a sorcerer. Who's, you, should, you should Google it, Google it so you can see. It's a sorcerer who's going around and he's changing people into dolls. Mm -hmm. But it's basically he's changing them into these wooden, they look like planks of wood, like walking planks of wood. So one of the things that, that terrifies me most and you know, Get Out got me on this is when you're taking away somebody's freedom of movement, you're taking away their freedom of existence right so he's just turning them into these dolls and it scared me so much that it's a creepy looking um wizard with like these big wide eyes and like a weird voice yeah mm -hmm. um and at some point they the hero is this little unicorn which yeah. apparently when the unicorn was created um it's the eastern wind had to save it because the gods were so jealous of how perfect it is that the series is that they're always trying to kill this little this little baby unicorn so similar the thing that terror one thing that terrified me was pinocchio when they were training the kids into donkeys yes oh. well no no a different pinocchio mom do you remember pinocchio in the uh what was it the the something lord of shadows sorry it's go ahead Shalita. Vague. it's very vague but I'm i gotta i gotta find i gotta find this um 
while Shalia, sorry, talks yeah, about that, that just that reminds me of that scene in Emperor, Pinocchio. Scared me. The Emperor of the Night. You got you took me and Carme and some of our cousins to it in North Carolina. Was it a movie? Yes, it was like a it's like a European version of Pinocchio. Okay. Anyways, anyway, I'm getting scary. deep here. Yeah. But that movie scared the hell out of me, and it's also a similar thing. And to Kenneth's point, like I think tonally, had the score been different and stuff had been different, um, they'd have had, uh, you know, like that scene where she pushes the kid, the stroller down the hill. Like she's trying to kill a baby. Yeah, she's straight up trying to murder a baby. Or like she's not going to try to kill that baby, right? Yes, yeah. She I was is. like, what type of movie is this? This is this was what kids' movies were before things got disnified and like people were like oh you can't show this that or it's too scary i'm like eh, uh, it's what not the necessarily world is like. too scary i mean like the concepts are there right like yeah. 101 dalmatians is like the the epitome of this to me like she's skinning puppies to make a jacket like what yeah. are you thinking you're murdering puppies but like um it's not i think it's not necessarily that it's too scary for kids i think it's that you want to teach them different values and so we're just kind of moving away from some of these, um, some of these lessons. But I don't know that that's helpful because know. the world, the world, the, the entirety of the world hasn't changed enough that these dangers don't exist because this, you look at this as stranger danger. Like mm-hmm. he knows to call, like not to come down from his treehouse, despite the fact that she's offering him all of these things yeah. that he would like. And he's calling for his grandma. The intellectuals we want to be like, we want to protect children from these ideas. The way you protect is is foreknowledge. This is almost like the idea of of, uh, abstinence-only sex education, (laughs) right? right? Being forewarned, what is it? Forewarned is forearmed? What is the term? Being forewarned is being forearmed. I want to get back to the thing being is the, the whole, the whole, first off, the story is in the tradition of the European fairy tales, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the European fairy tales would tell you there are big bad things in the forest, there are big bad things in the world, and you needed mm-hmm. to be, be protected from it. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent who grew, who raised children in the 80s, a lot of people wanted to protect kids. They wanted to get them, but now they want them. They want Disney fight. You know, they want Disney fight rather than they want. You know, which I stopped taking my kids to Disney movies after the Little Mermaid. I think they got to another one by somebody else taking them. But I just I sat there and I just could not abide the Little Mermaid the way they Disney fied the story. So that to me was the end of me ever. I have not watched, I think the little Finding Nemo I might have watched, but I have not seen any of the new ones, the Frozens, the Moanas, any of them. I don't care what to do because I know they Disney-fy it and therefore I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna- You should watch that. Moana. You should come back to the Disney films on another ocean movie, another ocean princess. I would say Moana is pretty important. But in this mom, house, an interesting thing is, as we watch a lot of stuff, Shalia is constantly like, "Oh, we can't let it, we can't let our future kids do this." There's been several times she's like, "Oh, that's not okay for a kid to be." Do-. So a lot of it is running around on your own. Oh right? yeah, no, that kid going to the store to give milk. I was like, our kids not run to the store by themselves to get Why? milk because they're gonna snatch up by a witch. No, I mean, there's not that many things that happen. And one of the main things, and, and a good example, is watching um, Stranger Things. I used to be out on my bike all over the place 
Same. When I was ten, at least by twelve. Same. Like I, I, I think I was, that. Well, my parents would make sure I wasn't alone. Though. That That's was, the thing for me. Yeah. Like, don't well, there's be, that. You need a buddy. Yeah, you need someone with you. A friend. Your, you know, your, your one of your siblings. You can't be alone doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you had been alone doing that in Atlanta, you could be one of the missing kids in Atlanta, and then we'd be like, yeah, "Where are you at?" 10 you're right, but how many missing kids? Were, it's still a, 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 it's how do I say? It? The big cases make you think that things are happening more than they really are. Yeah, but it's a possibility, still but and it's a it's, possibility. So it's a more of a possibility that you step step on broken glass or that you get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Like these are, but people are making their choices not based off of that, but off of the idea that, like these these lightning, these lightning strike ideas that your kid is going to get, um, is going to get kidnapped, and I think that means that you will then not give them the the independence in the world. How many? The question is, how many kids are we willing to risk for the rest of the children in the yes, world? Let's have our to, kids be the guinea pigs. To to. to uh, grow up well-adjusted and understanding their ability to move around in the world independently. My, my parents did both. They just kind of gave me rules like zombie land when I left the house. Exactly. Yeah. Rules. I was fine. I was, I was fine to be independent. Like, here are the parameters you can you can operate in because you're a child. So if you do these things, you're fine. If you're and, out a friend, it's a problem. But if you have a friend with you, I don't care. But well, those pri- those... We're going to have siblings, right? Like, that's the importance of siblings to go around with you. No, no. Because especially depending on the siblings, you don't necessarily want that person following you around, i.e., me and my sister. It wasn't a want for me. It was a, if you're going to do this, this is part of the deal. Yeah. Was, my parents didn't care what I wanted. Brendan was lucky that he did have a cadre. He had his little people he could hang out with. But again, you teach stranger danger because, in fact, as a parent, you don't want to maybe admit that the yeah. true danger to a child may be in your household. Yeah. It may be the <laughs> relative, it may be the father, it may be the mother. It, it is not often, you know, we, 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 it plays into these fears that the world is out there bad because you can't, if you can control what out there in the world can happen to them, but you can't control what's happening in your own household. So mm-hmm. we know that children are more likely to be killed, not by a, a, by a stranger, but by their own parent. I mean, what is the, 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 how to say the, the public's image of a rapist is a guy with a mask, a knife hiding behind a bush. Right. But statistically, is that even a 10th of, of what sexual assaults are? Or are they, I mean, frat parties or priests or any number of, of things that we actually don't tell stories about? Like, imagine what it would be like if, of a lot of these child stories were about what the real dangers in life would be. It'd be it's like going to church, thing. going to Sunday. Yeah. Going to Sunday school is the horrifying situation. Nobody <laughs> wants to a clown in, in the, uh, what do you call it? In the sewer. I do think we're getting better about this. Like, I think there was a lot of cover up, and there used to be a lot. So definitely in the church, there's a lot of cover up. what was happening within homes. Like the, there's this idea of like, what happens inside the house is your business. And so there was a lot of not sharing that and not talking about it, but I do. And maybe it's because of Tim, like what we, what we used to do. Like, correct. I don't, I don't think of any of this as new information. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, 
in the last maybe 20 years, we are more aware of statistics and things that are happening. And especially with the Me Too movement and having women be more open about their experiences, I feel like I've learned a lot more about just um, how, yeah, how this, how this happens. And I think, so I think the data is getting better and we're being more honest about the situation than I think maybe we were 30 years ago. I want to talk about atmosphere because Tim talked about something about the atmosphere, how, and you all both talked about how it could change. I'm going to talk about how this movie reminds me somewhat of Alien. Okay. Mm. Oh, this ought to be good. You have all of this atmosphere is being set up, you know, being set up, being set up, being set up. And then un until that alien actually appears to, to that witch, Mm -hmm. actually shows who she yourself. You're like, oh, this is what this movie is really about. Right. Mm -hmm. Tim, you were going to say something? I was going to say the same thing, kind of similar lines. It was like, at what point if you're, if you're the, the boy, do you realize that you're in really big trouble? Like, at what point in his, is it the ballroom scene? Yeah, when they turn, when they turn the other child into something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's... it's what, what would you he thinks he's in. Tr he might be in trouble because he's somewhere he's not, not supposed to be, and right. the adults might yell at him or ground. That's what I feel like all the way up until he finds out that this is <laughs> there's magic, like sinister magic afoot. I thought that he believed in it though. Like when the one witch comes when he's in a tree, like he's like grandma. Like I know that this is yeah. unsafe. So I thought that he knew he was in trouble as soon as they started. They locked the doors. But and I don't think he caught. saw the purple and eyes then, of that woman until they locked the doors. Well, so I, I but I think it was before the other kid comes in because he's right. like, oh my gosh, because he's listening and he hears uh, their plan so he their plan is, you're, you're right you're right and their plan is crazy to open candy shops it's brilliant it, it's not okay so it just okay there, it was i was impressed with the detail like like it was kind of adult detail she was like i've given you enough money to pay more for these shops than their market value like yeah. like she had thought through and she was like there's a delay on this but at the same time like if a bunch of kids go missing or get sick or something happens, just because you put like a two, it was a two day. <laughs> yeah. You immediately start tracking back where, where, what's in common between these children? Where have they all been? Like, so that part didn't make as much sense. Go home and quit their jobs. But the other thing is also because like, okay, she's like, we're not killing the kids. Okay. But you're turning them into mice. Like what's the difference? Well, I, the I kids were happy. They don't have to go to school and do homework anymore. Yeah, but the parents like are going to be like, something's going on with our kids. I like that line when they say, well, what if an adult? <laughs> yeah. Is it their problem? But then again, I guess we're worried that we're thinking, oh, they need to get away with it. And first of all, they're able to hide pretty effectively. But second of all, if they eliminate 100,000, 200,000 children, like everybody's going to know that it happened. They will have succeeded. It's kind of like the end of Watchmen. Right, where he's like, where the, the, the heroes, quote unquote, find the bad guy and they're talking and then, then, and then he was like, oh, by the way, I triggered my master plan like 45 minutes ago. Like, yeah. I, this has already happened. Yeah, I think, I, 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 like I said, atmosphere is really good, but I think he really knew he was in trouble when the boy turned into a, a mouse. That's right. when he knew it because he was like, "Oh, they for real. This is for—they not just talking crap. They for real. This can really happen." That's and you know, if you look, if you I looked at his facial expressions, he's like, 
you know, his facial expressions were totally different when that when he sees that happen to the little boy. Those glasses were were I think really important for to have on that character. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it magnifies the eyes and we've noticed a lot about the importance of eyes in movies. Mm-hmm. And were you gonna say something else? No. Um, so can we talk about influences? I think we've we've hit a few. Um, are there others that we haven't discussed? Influences yet? I'm so this this book is only, was only in 1983, so I'm not sure because I don't know how old she is. But I was very feeling like J.K. Uh, Rowland had to have read this book or seen this movie or something. Um, yeah, for sure. I definitely Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's right other influences oh i wondered if um the baby in the stroller as i was like oh is this peter pan (laughs) is that how peter Peter pan Pan? got like (laughs) ended up where he is the witches just walk around and like push baby carriages and tinkerbell saved him i don't know that's not an influence other influences that we haven't talked about yet actually um no but i would like you to know that this book was one of the most banned books yeah Really, I did. See, I did see on Google. There, one of the the suggested questions is why was the witches burned or uh, not burned? Uh, banned. Why is it banned? Because I think that it teaches misogyny, um, and it teaches women men to grow up to fear and hate women. I think that that is so. There is a, a risk, which is the okay. reason why I say I think the man had a problem with women, women in power. You know, but at the same time, he was saying, you know, um, now the Grand High Witch was strikingly looking, strikingly beautiful. I mean, she had all the, the, she looked really, really good compared to most of the other witches. Now, you notice that part. So she looked very beautiful, very striking. Bert, Bertie's, whatever that little boy's name, I forget now, dad is all over her. Right, and the mom, the mom isn't too happy about that. But if you look at all of this, um, I think he did have a problem with women, and probably had a problem with women in power, and that is the problem with the whole historical role of witches. If you had any knowledge, if you had anything that you could do that made men fear you, because you know women held the you know until they figured it out that you know you needed a man to get yourself pregnant. But women had the power of reproduction. So women who had any knowledge was considered to be very fearful. So I do think that that was one thing he might have had. And he was banned because of misogyny. That's why it was banned. That's what it's saying here on, mm-hmm. that makes on sense. Google. And wow. he says, I do not wish to speak badly about women. Most women are lovely. <laughs> Most. <laughs> um, so other influences? Okay, well, I have this is just a, a random comment, and so maybe I can tie it into influences. Because did anybody else notice that a significant amount of the witches in that conference room, particularly in the further back rows, were men in dresses? Yes, yeah, yeah. I did not notice that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't notice as a kid. When I watched it here, I was okay, so we've been watching a lot of pose, right? So maybe that helped, but I, I was just watching, I was like, that's that's a man. That's a man. And the reason why I say like influences is because um, since this is a very UK story, I was immediately thinking of something like uh, Monty Python, 
yeah. or something where the, so much of their humor involves cross-dressing. Yeah. Right. And did you also notice that there was a fair amount of representation? In yeah. There was like a black woman, an Indian woman, an Asian woman. Yeah. So probably, probably Chinese, I should say. What? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I don't know if that many, but yeah, it was like, because it was, it was witches of England and England at that point, since it had basically colonized half the world, like they had people coming in from all over the place. I, I liked that. I like that part. You know, I definitely, I mean, probably that was much more of the director or Jim Henson or whoever's doing, but it was like, oh, wow. They were acknowledging at this time there were different people of different ethnicities and they could be witches too. Right. <laughs> well, she said every country has a witch, right. has, has witches, and every country has a head witch. And then the grand high witch is the one over all of them. And she's not English, right? Yeah. As 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 the uh, the podcast I was talking about earlier referred to her, they were like that accent is east of the Iron Curtain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's. That's why it's so exciting, right? She's a celebrity. She's the. She comes. So they have their national convention, and she's there as like the keynote. So, like, you know, the the big. The Thank big you for person reminding me. Them. But there is one other influence that I can think of, and it's actually from the Sandman comics where two characters end up at a hotel at the same, like a, just a dumpy side of the road hotel or whatever, um, at the same time as a serial killer convention. Mm. And it's very, it's very since it's uh, Neil Gaiman, it's kind of uh, cheeky, the sort of uh, breakout sessions that, the, that this has. But yeah, they're just in kind of a lame little conference room just like this. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to say, so the convention is one thing, but Tim, you you mentioned how she's like, quit your jobs. I want you to retire, quit jobs. And so this wasn't an influence that the movie created, but I was thinking a lot of Mary Kay. And like, I've been to some of those where they're like, women can have careers too. Look, if you, you know, all get together and sell these products, which is like the right. formula of 86. It's like, it just felt very like a Mary Kay trap. Mom. Um, where I was just like, okay, like, let's all do this and quit our... <laughs> So mom is like an example of like a career woman to me. And she started, but she started off at Avon for a while, right? You were an Avon lady? Mm-hmm. Very successful at it, in fact. Oh, wow. Because, you know, it takes nothing but a cute little kid to make people understand you. <laughs> <laughs> I took Carme with me all the time and sometimes Kendall. She said Carme all the time. Eh, sometimes Carme was very cute. She was adorable. Yeah. And the, the funny thing about Carme is she didn't like people to, to touch her. She was, the, like, I was a cute kid. Carme was an adorable doll of a kid, and she didn't want anybody to touch her. Mm-hmm. So funny. Um, yeah, well, so that's, it did remind me of one of those, like, you can have a career too, look. <laughs> um, so that was the funny. Thing it reminded me of was The Fly. The Transformation. The transformation, the movie to fly. And so what I was trying to look up, I was trying to wonder, you know, because the way she looked on her back and everything. Oh, yeah, with the hair and the moles. Or, right. Yeah. It really reminded me of the fly. I was like, whoa. So I was trying to look up to see who had actually done the special effects on the fly. And the fly is a 1986 movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing it up. Year. Because I said American Werewolf in, in, in London, London, that transformation um uh, I, I mentioned that when I saw him transforming when we we did this watch. Yeah, spooky October. Well, yeah, it was. Was that two spooky Octobers ago? Uh, American Werewolf. I think so. The fly was last year. 
The fly was asked. Our first first insect president. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Other influences that you guys want to talk about before we go into favorite things? No. All right. What are your favorite things about this movie? Let's start with Tim. Um. Probably that sequence when he has to run out of the hotel when he's running through the hotel after mm-hmm. catch him and they're all grabbing him that whole shot that point of view of him of them reaching down and trying to grab him and him running out and when he runs outside and she pushes the stroller all of that is great. So I didn't he... remember any of that happened. I thought they just caught him in there because he made a noise and then he turned into a mouse. <laughs> when he runs out, like he gets outside and mm-hmm. he's like before he jumps over like a balcony uh, or something. Grabs him. Yes, I jumped. I was like, whoa, how did they get so close so fast? Yeah, it's effective. It's really like a horror movie. Just, like, remind me of a zombie movie. He's trying to escape a bunch of zombies. I, it's also it, funny because they're just women. Reason, like, they're just women running around the property yeah. trying to find him. Like, like, I, for some reason, thought of a Bond movie almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, that too. Um, okay, Morgan, what's your favorite thing about this movie? Um, my favorite thing about the movie? Um, I like the fact that the, the storytelling aspect of it. Did it start out? Because the other part that it re- reminds me of is the Princess Bride, because you start out with a story. She's telling mm-hmm. him a story, and he then becomes part of the story uh, because it's a real story. She's telling him about real life, the, the real what real life is about. So I like that storytelling aspect. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And she is like, it's not the um, situation where none of the adults believe you. Like he knows that he, his grandma will believe him. So, I mean, that's why they had to take her out and have her sleeping, I guess, or something. I don't know. Um, when he gets to murderers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I will, this is not a favorite thing, but it's kind of connected. I really am curious about grandma's backstory. Like she doesn't say what, what happened like how she lost her finger and like what battle they went up against with the high witch like she said she never found her but like the high witch definitely remembers yeah. her i want to know about that story old nemesis or yeah like, an like old, that. Yeah, old nemesis yeah um so i i want to know about the adventures of grandma do, like, do you because they might turn that into a prequel series it's like uh like van helsing or something exactly <laughs> i was very i really wanted to know about that like that was one thing i was missing and i was hoping I liked the finger thing. It was like she went up against her and got battle scars. Mm-hmm. Kendon, what's your favorite thing? Um, not too surprising. It would be the creature effects, the practical creature effects. Um, the witch, the, the high witch in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just gross looking, but like fun in a fun way with those ultra long fingers and all of that. The transformation, the rah, 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 particularly um, when... Um, how am I getting his name? Jake? Mr. Bean? No, the, the, the first kid. Bruno. Bruno. Bruno's transformation scene is particularly good and creepy. And then I want to give a special shout, a shout out to the mice. Um, when they are mice, like puppets, it's really good. And it's sparingly used, right? They use real mice a whole, whole lot and then transition over to them. And something about the, the quality of the puppets the the way they're shot all of that it doesn't really give your to me even as adult your brain enough time to be like that's not really a mouse it's so close enough and it's so maybe sparingly used or like judiciously used mm-hmm. that it's a pretty it's the transition between this just makes you feel like they're mice mm-hmm. yeah i agree 
So um, my favorite, it's weird. My favorite thing I think was the grandma relationship. Um, and also just her personality I thought was funny. Like she's in bed, turns out she has diabetes and she's smoking a cigar. The cigar <laughs> like, was the best part of her. It's kind of funny. And like, you know, she helps him. She's like, okay, I guess, I guess this is the best way we do it. So she like lowers him down in a little sock and then is playing with that cat with her, the yard. That was perfect. And like, oh, I'm sorry, I dropped my knitting. Like it was just, I liked her. She was down and I appreciated that. Um, but I was also a little, at the same time, a little kind of questionable because she was like teaching him to, to bribe or not even like blackmail the hotel by lying about mice being, I mean, yeah. I was just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't cool. I don't think the way that they were treating Mr. Bean. And then, um, yeah, so <laughs> I, I kind of questioned that, but I, appreciated that she was a i don't know a trusted supportive character for him that he was like i can go back to my grandma and it was and, a team yeah. it was a team effort yeah also bruno so bruno was very willa wonka -y, i thought yes um so then finding out that this is a similar uh, same author is that kind of makes sense and chocolate right Ch candy um that's how you get to the chocolate factory well you know the interesting thing is that you know in during the world war you know, chocolate was something that was a rare, a rare thing and scarce. So that plays into take from Charlie, you know, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, all of that. Um, I particularly, like I said, enjoy the storytelling aspect because it reminded me of The Princess Bride. They're telling a story and Ever After, isn't there a movie called Ever mm -hmm. After where mm -hmm. she's telling the story and then she becomes part of the story? Mm-hmm. Oh, Shalia, uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe has yet another witch trying to lure children away with candy. Well, and they also end up in a painting, mm. sort of. They have a whole adventure in that painting, but still. Yeah. It's a whole adventure, but yes. They, Is that um, Dawn Treader? Yeah, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, J.K. Rowling also puts people in, in paintings moving around. That is so creepy. That is so creepy. But they look like they're enjoying it because they can move from, from painting to painting. Yeah, they're There's like a party in one. It reminds me of Sandman because he just goes from people's dreams to dreams to dreams. But remember, there's a, in one of the movies, there's a, um, someone's taken. like A murder? Yeah. Like Wait, is it a murder or he's disapp they, disappearing? They took her and placed her somewhere else. And she was just like, oh, like it was Yeah, but somebody violent. can do that to you in real life. Yeah. So it's not too particularly scary to live in a painting. That in those cases, they look like fun. Well, yeah, also because there's other people, right? But like this whole like poor Erica growing up and living alone. Oh, that's terrifying. At least she had ducks, but like though Kendon said they were geese. They were geese. <laughs> but yeah, just like living alone for so long. Oh, that's oh. But he's not living alone. That's even the worst thing. I get the impression she can see out. Yeah, she can see world. out, but she. So her parents are out there. Yeah, but she's stuck alone in the painting. There's no one to talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Creepy. This movie, okay, so um, did you like this movie, Tim? I did like the movie. I was kind of what Kenneth's point, I was impressed with the, the, the puppet stuff it did with, with the mice early on. I did not expect that, them to be talking. Um, but I liked it. I thought, I thought they did a really good job of setting up sort of two different movies, one and making them mesh together. The ending was, of course, very dignified. The witch shows up and saves the day. Um, but it was fun. The grandma's a fun character. The kids were fun. Angelica Houston is great. There was something that I know a lot of my friends love and I've never seen before. And I get why they like it. Why, if I watched it when I was a kid, I probably would have loved it. 
You know, the the the, that, the witch coming in at the end and saving the day kind of turns this, uh, prevents this from becoming Blade. Well, maybe not, but you know how they got the the addresses of all the witches in America. It seems kind of like they might go on a crusade against witches the way Blade and Whistler, right, 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 going <laughs> as vampires, carrying the daywalkers, running around killing witches. Yeah. Um, well, so I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this movie. Kenan kept being like, "Are you okay?" I like it was. It was. I'm curious, un- I'm curious why you didn't like it. It wasn't fun. Like it was just kind oh, of awful so much the whole fun. time where I'm just like, it, um, like they're just trying to kill mice. I didn't like that. They're trying to kill children. And Did oh, I didn't like how they took care of the mice, the, the, the actual pets. Like he just left them at the hotel. Like they didn't go and try to find them. Like they're sending exterminators in to kill all of the witches. Why didn't they? Like he just left his mice. He wasn't very responsible. I didn't like that. Yeah. And they were trying to kill him. They were trying to kill the mice. They show her stomp one of them. I just, I didn't like all the killing of the mice thing. Um, I don't know. It, it just, eh? it felt. Mice were the witches. They needed to be just dominated. Yeah, <laughs> but they were also trying to kill him. Like, <laughs> they were the witches don't like mice. after him with a knife and the, tra- the traps and the, so I just, it, it was just like, I guess that dread the whole time of just like, I think my face looked like this the whole movie. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, I don't want to be here. To, to I want to leave. Settle down, and I was like, yeah. "This movie's—I uh, don't know. I, I think mean, it's fun. It's wickedly fun." Yeah, it, I get it. I get why people like it, but it's not—it's not where I want to spend two hours. Like, Would you let a seven-year-old watch this? No. Yeah. Why not, Tim? <laughs> no. I think you might give him nightmares. Do they I, need to I, retroactively I re-rate these movies? I think no. that um, I would not let a seven-year-old watch it. Um, I think um, I <laughs> again, again? I would let a seven-year-old read, listen, maybe listen to the book, but I would mm. not let the seven-year-old have the images already. I think when you read a scary book, mm-hmm. you yourself can create more scary stuff in mm. your mind. But if you go and you watch a movie the image is there a lot, sometimes a lot worse. And then and they could just bring it up and up, you know. But I, I don't think I would let a seven-year-old. I think I would wait to somebody who was more closer to their tween years, maybe an 11 to 13-year-old who would suspend like, yeah, yeah, that can't really happen. Yeah. But, they, but then they, they won't. Hate. But then they won't hate women. Well, no, yeah. I say, then they I mean, won't. They're not going to hate women. <laughs> they're not going to associate with the main character. Right, because that may no. If I'm older, I can tell you as an older. If I'm older, like by a couple years than that kid, then I'm no longer like identifying with that kid. So age the kid up a little. I will tell you that maybe I I, I don't. I also don't think associating with the main character ruins the movie for you. Maybe it's grandma. It wouldn't have been a classic to me, which it it wouldn't have felt like a classic if you had like a thirteen-year-old in this situation. Anybody seen The Killer Mockingbird? No. Yeah. The movie? Mm-mm. Of course. Okay. So in the, I watched that movie when it was on TV when I was a little girl, literally sleeping in the bed with my grandmother, and she had the TV on up one night. That scene when Boo is presented scared me crapless. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I probably was the age of Scout in that movie. 
or a little younger. So I was seeing everything from her point of view and it really did scare me. It took a many, many, many years in high school, um, even in college to reread that book, to not be terrified and to look at that movie to not be so terrified because that movie really scared me. And you know, it's a jump scare, like Kendon says, but the whole movie sets up atmosphere about stuff about this character that they don't know anything about, that they have been told all these stories about. Mm -hmm. So again, I think the, the two halves of this movie is wonderful, that, 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 that setting of the dread, the atmosphere, the revelation that this is some real crap, and now it's when real crap is happening, what are we gonna do to get out of it? I think it's a real good movie. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that, and I liked the fact that the kid gets to have agency and and come up with the situation, like the the solution. Right. Um, and I did, I did appreciate that. Like they go home, and he's just stays. Like they were going to be content with him just staying that way forever. <laughs> I don't. I didn't really feel a way about them having a, a resolution at the end to end, but. Um, we need a resolution. I did think it was interesting. She's like, okay, it's fun, right? To have like him be able to make his way all through the house um, in his little mice car but and stuff. She was crying at the end. She was crying because for her, she had now lost her child. She had lost her grandchild. You know, who's going to be one to know about your grandchild and mouse making up another, another car? I mean, who's going to believe you? So she was very sad at the end. I thought she was also sad because like he is a kid and he doesn't know what he's missing. He's not going to grow old. He's not going to, I mean, he might have babies. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Mice babies, but... How long do mice live? He asked he that did. question, you know, and here's the thing, you know, if we're going to extrapolate, you know, if he was going to have a normal human life, well, she's going to die. Who is going to believe that he's a human, that, that he needs to be taken care of? So, her, if they had stopped that movie, I think it would have been a better movie had they stopped it right then and there. Mm. I appreciated that they didn't because, yeah, like she <laughs> was crying and I was does, like, oh, right? that's powerful. But right. again, because I like hated feeling the way I felt the entire movie, it felt good to be like, okay, fine. <laughs> we feel better. Let's move on with our day. Because like I would have been, I would have felt down after that movie right. if it hadn't up. Like, done that disney piece to it so that's why i was okay with it all right are we ready to rate this yeah. all right so the witches 1990 is it a classic or are we past it classic classic past it okay uh, yeah but we'll see what the new witches brings um morgan thank you so much for joining us for our first um episode for 2020 spooky october Next week, we're talking about Christine. Christine. That's Tim's pick. Is that the, is that the, scare, uh, the scariest out of uh, our planned spooky October movies? Probably Hellraiser. Okay. I was thinking at least next time, next year, we should do them in decreasing order of scariness because the length of the days is changing. <laughs> we should watch the scariest one earliest because there's less darkness out. I don't know. I got scared last night. I had this like weird thing happened. Um, I had to call Carme and then I called Kendon and he got home. I'm going to tell you guys what that was after the episode is over. Uh, but yeah. so I am. Um, I'm like, oh man. Mm. All right. 
I, I think I honestly think ramping up in scariness is probably better because I get more brave. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're gonna get more brave. Yeah. Now, doing for the, for what, what other movies besides Christine and uh, Hellraiser? Hellraiser. Day of the, Day of the Dead and um, what's the that's other all. Thing? Yep, those are the four. Because there's only sure. four weeks. Um, I, I mean, the, you mean by George Romero? Day of the Dead by George mm-hmm. Romero? Yeah. It's gonna gross you out. I know it. I can't wait for it. It's gonna gross. Her. <laughs> I actually saw oh, the. Uh, oh. Is that the first movie in that series? I thought Dawn of the Dead was. He's the second, right? I actually saw that movie in the movie theater. Wow. The very first one, and I actually it scared me so much. I ran out of the movie theater. Yeah. Yes. So is that a movie you can't watch by yourself in Alaska? Oh, it doesn't scare me anymore now. Yeah, it's but not that. At the time, it did. I mean, like, Alien scared me so much. I jumped up out of the seat onto the lap of the person who I went to the movie with. Mm-hmm. That's how scary that 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 just totally took me out, you know. And um, so take a take a girl to a scary movie, folks. No, don't. I know from experience, don't do that. My friend is still mad at me. I took her to go see Event Horizon. To this Ooh, day. I want to do that movie in on this podcast. Theater. To this day, she is like, you took me to see that movie. Like, I took Shalia to see Black Hawk Down on our first date. Yeah, you made me go watch that other movie, though, and I was so scared. And I, What movie? Um, It was a room. I think it was John Cusack was in it. And I've been oh, terrified room. since. With no, him no. Was it Bug? No. No, him, Samuel Jackson, was in that room and scary stuff was happening in the room. It's like, it's terrible. I like, I was like crying the whole time with my eyes. Room 227 or something. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. You you took me to it. Yeah, I was was really upset about that. There's there's movies I don't like and I don't want to sit through, but then there's also scary ones. And like that one was terrible because I was scared the whole time, but then I also travel. So now I'm in hotels and I'm scared. Ah. Like I'm scared in hotel rooms. And it's really, I'm still really mad at him for making me watch that. Um, All right. So we'll, Christine's fun. Okay. We're going to watch Christine, meet Christine next week when, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. Thank you.